I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning and join me in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, is where we'll pick up today. We left off last week at verse 3, and we began a series at the beginning of the year called Origins, looking at the beginning, what happened at the very beginning of time as we know it, who was in charge, who was in control, what was he up to, what was he doing, And we've been walking our way through looking at how God created and what God has done. And for us, as we gather here this morning, if you're new to North River Church, I want you to know each week as we gather together, we study God's Word together, verse by verse, walking through books of the Bible. So I'd encourage you, bring your Bible with you. The text will be up on the screen each week. If you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to take one. It should be in the back of a seat somewhere close to you. That's our gift to you. I'd encourage you to read that. And as we gather each week, we're going to walk through it together. Here's the thing. You may not believe me, but I have actually taken the time to read the warning label that comes on a hairdryer. Some of you are laughing because you look and you think, what would you need with a hairdryer? You weren't going to say it, but you were thinking it, I know. But here's what you need to know about me. This is by choice. Some of you men know what I'm talking about, right? Pastor Scott? Amen, right? This is by choice, but uh, I used to have hair, and I could still grow it out if I chose. I did that one time after I got married, and my wife, about three or four weeks in, said, you got to do something, you look like a chia pet. (laughs) So here I am. Here's the thing, I want you to uh, take note, Uh, you're going to see pop up on the screen here in just a second, this is actually the warning label that comes on a hairdryer. Now, it doesn't seem really odd, the first one there just simply says, if you're not using it, unplug it. And not to use it, number two, near water, that makes sense, but notice number three, Do not use while bathing. (laughs) I have to wonder, like, what was going on in someone's mind where they thought, hey, let's cut half the time out of my prep getting ready. Hair dryer in the shower, running. And then the next one is do not use near or place in water. I'm thinking again. Someone think they were going to heat the water up? Why would you stick a hairdryer in the water? Isn't it fascinating that you would even think to put this label on a hairdryer? And there's a reason. The creators, the inventors, the developers, the people who put together hairdryers know that people don't always do what is intended with a hairdryer. That the inventors of a hairdryer have a very specific purpose for which the hairdryer is created, and to deviate from that leads you into things like trying to use a hairdryer as you're showering. We think, gosh, that sounds just crazy, but what's interesting is that for God in His Word, specifically regarding both mankind and marriage, God has detailed out for us why He created mankind, 
how he created mankind, why he created marriage, and how he created marriage. And we live in a culture that has deviated very much from God's design and God's plan. And so this morning, what I want us to do is first read the text, Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. And as we do every week, we're going to walk back through it together. And I want to highlight God's purpose in creating mankind and marriage and God's plan for using mankind and marriage. As we do that, let's look at God's word this morning. Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is the Gihon. It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock, and to the birds of the heavens, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs, and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. 
And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. That you would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. As we look at the text this morning and this message on mankind and marriage, I want you to take a moment just simply to write down this main idea that's going to frame our time together. We're going to focus in both with mankind and marriage on these items as we look at the text together this morning. And it's this truth, God created mankind and marriage on purpose for a purpose. God created both mankind and marriage, one, on purpose. God has a specific design for mankind and marriage, but also for a specific purpose. God desires to use mankind and desires to use the covenant of marriage for a specific purpose. And what we're going to see in the text this morning is God lay that out for us. God lay out for us, here is my good design for mankind, my good design for marriage. Here is my purpose for which I created man. Here is the purpose for which I created marriage. And for us, as we gather this morning, we seek, I hope, every single one of us, to hear from the Word of God, and ultimately, if we're followers of Jesus here this morning, to submit our lives to God's Word. So let's look first and foremost at mankind, and I want you to take notice first that God created mankind on purpose. God created mankind on purpose. And we're going to note two truths as we look through the text this morning. For us, as we've walked through Genesis chapter 1 and the first part of Genesis chapter 2, we've seen that God is creating with His very Word all that exists. That God simply speaks all of creation into existence. And we said the very first week as we walked through Genesis chapter 1 that if a God is able to do that, that God deserves our worship. That God deserves our lives. If a God is able to simply speak creation into existence, we owe ourselves a favor of worshiping that God because He is majestic. He is incredible. He deserves all the worship that we could muster in our lives to give. And then we looked the second week and we saw that God not only creates all of those things, but on the seventh day that God rested, that God gives us a picture for us as human beings. We are created in such a way that at the deepest part of our hearts, we desire a relationship with our creator. That for every single one of us, we may seek to fill our lives with any number of things, but we will not find ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the greatest desire of the human heart. We seek to fill that with all kinds of things, money, sex, fame, power, but none of those things will satisfy what we're deeply longing for, and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. So with that laid out, the Lord and His Word continues on and gives us just a 
summary of what has taken place beginning in verse 4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, verse 5, no bush was yet in the field. No small plant had yet sprung up. The Lord God had not caused it to rain yet. And there rose a mist from the land that was watering the whole face of the ground. Notice with me beginning in verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Now, for us, we are reminded as we read through that what we've already seen in Genesis chapter 1, and it's the first truth. When we talk about God creating mankind on purpose, we see that mankind was created uniquely. That every single human being, God's Word tells us, is created special. We are created in the image of God. None of the rest of God's creation is created in His image. Only mankind is created in the very image of God, which says to all of us, there is something unique, special about us who are created in God's image. It's why the Scriptures lay out for us over and over and over again the fact that God values mankind, His creation. That people have inherent worth and value in God's eyes because they are created in His image. Now here's what this says to us. That means every single person that you and I encounter in this world as we live is a special creation by God in His image. Every single person that you encounter and that I encounter is special in God's sight because they are created in His very image. It doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status they have. It doesn't matter what ethnicity they are. Every single person is created in the image of God and because of that is very valuable to Him and should be to us as well. In fact, what we see at the end of God's Word in the book of Revelation and chapter 7 is that surrounding the throne of Jesus Christ, crying out in worship to Him are people from every tribe and tongue and nation. They are worshipers of God for us. If we're His children, we should look and recognize that every single person that we encounter is created in the very image of God. God created mankind on purpose. Mankind is unique. But not only that, I want you to notice the second part about God creating mankind on purpose. Mankind was created not only unique, but also distinct. Notice with me that God creates man. He lays it out here in verse 7. And then if you fast forward to verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And God in that moment creates Eve from the rib of Adam 
Eve and Adam are both created in God's image, but I want you to notice male and female, they are created distinct as well. Now, some of you are kind of squirmy right now. You're thinking, Pastor, do you know the culture in which we live? There's incredible confusion, disillusionment, conversations that are going on in the culture in which we live that seemingly are totally in opposition to what God lays out for us in his word here. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, I want you to notice that there's two things that I want to say about that very specifically. Number one, it should not surprise us that people who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and have not submitted themselves to the Lordship of Christ over every area of their lives, it should not surprise us in the least bit that they would not submit themselves to what God lays out here in His Word about His creation of male and female of mankind. It shouldn't surprise us. And let me just say this for you. If you are a parent of a kid or a teenager here this morning, you as a follower of Jesus Christ have a responsibility discipling your kids to lay out for them what they are going to witness in the culture around them. So that they are not surprised when they step foot in middle school and begin to hear conversations like what's going on in our culture surrounding this issue of God's special, unique design of mankind. They don't need to be caught off guard with that. You need to equip them and help them be prepared as they enter into a culture that is oftentimes hostile to the gospel, and if not hostile to the gospel, at least not willing to submit to God's word regarding this area of life. So don't be surprised. Follower of Jesus, hear me this morning. Do not be surprised. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that this is exactly what we should expect to be taking place in a culture that is far from God. That They exchange the truth about God for a lie. And instead of submitting to the truth of God's word, they simply move in the other direction to whatever feels good for them, whatever they most desire. Instead of God being God, they become God. And simply do whatever feels best, whatever they want. So it should not surprise us when you be encouraged by that. I also want you to take note that it should not stop us from standing on the truth of God's word as his people. It's interesting as you look around at the culture in which we live. I want you to just be reminded of something real quick. You likely will never win a Facebook argument about this. Amen or out. Some of you are like, have you been reading my Facebook, Pastor? You are not going to win someone by arguing with them. You're not going to win someone by saying, my position is better than your position. So for us as followers of Jesus, it shouldn't surprise us, but it also should not stop us from standing on the truth of God's word because God lays out for us his design for mankind. We're created in his image and we're created distinct male and female. That is what God's word tells us for us as followers of Jesus, not to be willing to stand on the truth of God's word is simply compromising according to the culture in which we live, but for us. 
We stand with conviction, but we do it with kindness. Hear me this morning. We stand with conviction knowing ultimately that you and I can't convince anyone of anything. But I want you to notice that God, through the work of Jesus Christ transforming people's lives, can change people's hearts, which ultimately changes their minds when they submit to Jesus Christ as Lord. And we see this taking place in this world in which we live. People bought wholesale into all of the confusion that's going on. They meet Jesus Christ and everything changes in that moment. For us as followers of Jesus, instead of trying to argue and change someone's position, why not simply lift them up in prayer to the Lord and ask God to change their heart through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? For us as followers of Jesus, we need to know that God created mankind on purpose in his image and distinct as male and female. But not only did God create mankind on purpose, but he created mankind for a purpose. He created mankind for a purpose. I want you to notice in verse 15, after As we look at Genesis chapter 2, we get some description here of the location of the Garden of Eden. And then in verse 15, we notice these words, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden. And I may crush your spirit here this morning. Notice the next words, to work. Some of you are like, oh man. I thought work happened after the fall in Genesis 3. No. We see it here in Genesis chapter 2. Before Adam and Eve sin in the garden, we see that the Lord God takes Adam, puts him in the garden, and gives him the responsibility to work to keep the garden. So as you look at God creating mankind for a purpose... One, mankind was created to work, to steward all of God's creation that was before him. Now, here's what I want you and I to understand about this. That is the same thing for us. We have a purpose for which God has created us, and that is to steward everything that God gives us ultimately for his glory. Meaning that when you go to work tomorrow, regardless of where you go to work, you may have a company or a boss that signs your paycheck, but ultimately you are working for the Lord. Ultimately, all of your work is an act of worship before the Lord. God has created us to work, to steward all of creation for His glory. Not only is mankind created to work, but mankind is also created to walk in relationship with the Lord. Verse 16, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely Die. We're going to unpack this a little more so next week as we look at Genesis chapter 3, walking through that chapter of the fall where Adam and Eve 
choose to disobey God and God's plan and purpose for them, which is to walk in obedience to Him. But that is one of the reasons why man is created to walk in an intimate relationship with God. We said this at the beginning that every single one of us is created with a God-shaped hole in our hearts that only God can fulfill. And we are created to worship and to walk with Him throughout our lives. God says to Adam, walk in obedience to me. As we look at mankind, God created mankind on purpose for a purpose. But not only that, I want you to notice as we continue on in verse 18, we're going to transition from God talking about mankind, male and female, to God bringing male and female together. Adam and Eve in the garden in the first marriage that's ever been performed, God unites them together. And just like God has a plan and a purpose for mankind, God has a plan and a purpose also for marriage. God created, first and foremost, marriage on purpose. Look with me, beginning in verse 18. The Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. Men, just say amen. You don't do well. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper. Notice this. That is fit for him. That is a perfect fit for the man. Notice in verse 19, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, brought all of them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Verse 20 says, Adam gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. Notice this, but for Adam, there was not found a helper that was fit for him. It's interesting in verse 18, at every point throughout the creation story, when God creates, God says, this is good. God creates, he says, this is good. God creates, he says, this is good. God creates, he says, this is good. When he comes to Adam and Adam is alone in the garden, God says for the very first time, it is not good that Adam is alone. And we get this picture that Adam is in the garden and the Lord is bringing all the animals to him, the birds, the livestock, and Adam is naming them and Adam's watching them come in and he takes notice of the fact that, at, that these creatures as they come in, that there's a male and there's a female and that they fit together. Now God's plan and purpose for them is that they would fill the earth with creatures like them. And Adam looks and he goes, I don't see anything like me. I don't see anything that is creative that is a fit for me. And the Lord God here does something very, very special. He creates Eve. Verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh The rib that he had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. I want you to notice that marriage, 
When we think about it being created by God on purpose, it was created as a complementary relationship. Male and female. Now, you say, Pastor, we're back to the same conversation that we were at when you said God created male and female, talking about mankind. Now, we're talking about the issue of marriage, and we live in a culture that is very much departed from that. You, in fact, may be experiencing that in your own family like mine, where we've walked through this same situation with some extended family members, this conversation about God creating marriage as a complementary relationship. But what I need you to know and what I seek to understand is that God who creates the covenant of marriage, God who brings Adam and Eve together in this marriage relationship, knows how marriage best functions, knows what marriage ultimately is. Unless you think, well, maybe things went off the rails after Adam and Eve here in the garden. What you see throughout the scriptures from the Old Testament to the New Testament and then to Paul writing in the book of Ephesians and at the end, what you see is that at every juncture where there's an opportunity to talk about the distinction of marriage being between one man and one woman, at each point, even Jesus in his ministry calls attention back to Genesis chapter 2 and says, this is God's original design and plan. In the same way, we talked about the design and plan of what a hairdryer is supposed to do to deviate from that is why the warning signs are placed on the label that comes with the hairdryer. For us, may this give us that same caution as we look at this world in which we live to recognize and understand God's perfect design for marriage, male and female in a complementary relationship. Not only that, marriage was created not only as a complementary relationship, but ultimately as a covenant relationship. Notice that it is God that brings them together. So when we talk about marriage, marriage primarily is not for your happiness or my happiness. Marriage is ultimately for our holiness, conversation I've had at times with couples say, you know, pastor, I'm just, I'm not happy anymore. So I want to move my own way. I want you to notice here that this is a covenant relationship made between a man and a woman with God at the center of this relationship. It is God who brings them together. So regardless of what's going on in the world around us, for us as believers, we need to hold high the truth of what God's word says about marriage. For us, if we desire to see human flourishing, if we desire to see this take place for us, we need to hold this up as this is God's best. Now here's the question that may come into play. You say, Pastor, Not only is it a personal thing because of things going on in my extended family or maybe even personally for you. You say, Michael, this sounds just really harsh. And here's what I want you to understand. It is not surprising, as I said earlier, that we live in a culture that is far from God that is seeking to redefine what marriage is. Should not surprise us as followers of Jesus. But it also should not stop us from proclaiming the truth of God's word when it comes 
to this area. Here's what I know and you probably have seen in the culture in which we live. There has been a shift at least pushed on the church to move in the other direction from what God's word says regarding this. To compromise at a level that just excuses what's going on in the culture and saying it's really okay. Here's what you and I need to recognize and understand. We do a disservice to the culture in which we live to compromise on what God's word says about the institution of marriage. And then also hear me on this. We can do that and not be jerks. You may have needed to hear that this morning. You're not going to argue somebody into believing like you do. But I want you to hear me this morning. How does change take place in a person's life to move them from accepting what's going on in the culture and saying this must be what's best to understanding that God's word lays out for us what's best. It is only going to be through a relationship with Jesus Christ where their hearts and lives are transformed and he becomes Lord of every single aspect of their lives. So stand firmly on convictions, but do it with kindness, trusting that God, as he's done throughout history, regardless of whatever the sin situation is, God can transform people's lives. He's done it before. He can do it again, regardless of the situation at play. I want you to notice, though, secondly, about marriage. God created marriage on purpose, but he created it for a purpose. Marriage was created for, first and foremost, worship. We see this laid out for Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1, that they are to fill the earth with worshipers of God. Just picture this in your mind. God's desire is that there are worshipers surrounding this earth that are worshiping him as Lord. And he says to Adam and Eve, as he trusts them with this, he says, Adam and Eve, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply and I want you to fill the earth and I want you to subdue it. I want you to send all over this planet little worshipers of me. Parents, let me encourage you, if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, that should be the mission of your home. That if the Lord so blesses you with children, that you take very seriously the responsibility that God has entrusted to you to disciple your children to follow Jesus with their lives. Now, here's the thing. When we talk about these conversations about What's going on in the culture around us? Let me issue this caution. I told the first service this. This responsibility to teach your kids a biblical worldview, to train them to follow Jesus with their lives is not ultimately the responsibility of Pastor Aaron as the student pastor at North River Church. It's not his job. He can come along beside you and help you do that. Lauren can come along beside you as the children's director here and help your kids, but ultimately the responsibility to train your children to follow Jesus sits at your feet. And here we see it lined out for us that ultimately marriage is created for 
worship, and secondly, marriage is created for witness. It's created for worship, to fill the earth with worshipers of the Lord. But I want you to notice when we move forward into the New Testament, what we see Paul outline for us in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5 is that your marriage is ultimately a walking billboard displaying the gospel of Jesus Christ in this culture in which we live. In fact, that's the why Paul says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church, and laid his life down for her. Hear me this morning. Your marriage is a billboard in this culture in which we live. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning, my prayer and my hope is that your billboard is flashing brightly in this dark culture in which we live saying here is the gospel of Jesus Christ this is what it looks like on display the way in which I interact with my spouse is simply just a taste of Jesus Christ's love for his church and if you've never experienced that, my hope and my prayer is that my marriage, your marriage in a dark culture will help people at least get a glimpse, a taste of the great love that Jesus Christ has for his church. What I want us to walk away this morning taking note of is that mankind and marriage was created by God on purpose, for a purpose. I want you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Our worship team will make their way back up. As we think about this morning, some truth from the text that we can apply to our hearts and our lives today. As we talk about the purpose for which God created mankind and to have a relationship with him, you may have come in this morning and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior, of receiving forgiveness for sins, for the death that he offers on your behalf. Maybe today for you, that's the step that you need to take to receive the free gift of salvation that he offers to you. Maybe you're burdened as you sit here this morning as a parent about what type of world, culture that your kids are growing up in. Knowing all the opposition to God's word and to God's standard. And maybe for you, the step that you need to take this morning is once again to make the commitment before the Lord today to renew the effort of training your kids to have a biblical worldview to follow Jesus with their lives. Maybe there's a person, a couple, a situation that as we've been looking at God's word this morning sticks out in your mind, a friend, a family member, who's not submitted to God's design and God's plan and purpose, but is moving in the other direction. Maybe this is the opportunity for you to take the step. Instead of trying to argue with them, to pray for them. 
to ask God to transform their heart and their life, to bring them to a recognition and an understanding that His design, His purpose is better than anything they could imagine. Father, we ask this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives. You would draw us closer to yourself. You would give us confidence in your plan, in your word. God, that you would give us courage to stand with conviction, but you would give us soft hearts to do it with kindness and love to people who are far from you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and take this opportunity to respond to the Lord as we sing together. Our pastors will be down front. Love to speak with you. You respond as the Lord leads.